0: it's a, these are very exciting times for the fourth avenue church it, it's been my tradition through the years to address the churches i've served especially this time of year concerning who we are where we are and where we are headed one of the uh, the things that i have always asked people to do when i used to do counseling and when I used to run a clinic is ask themselves the big three questions who am i where do I want to be, and what will get me there? And as a church, we need to do the same. This is my first time to do this at this church as I, as I finish today, 11 months and one week with you. I'm not finished with you, don't get the wrong. You may be finished with me, but you're stuck. So I'm sticking about. But we've, uh, we've only been with you a bit. Oh, you didn't need to do that. it's this is a wonderful church and Cammie and I are thrilled to be here this is a um, it will not be a surprise to anybody who's in the room and has stayed in the room through this entire worship service so far this is a different kind of church of Christ and every so often that annoys people and there will be a flurry of letters or articles about this church and that has happened in over this over many years with this church it did not occur when I got here. It had been going for a while. But last November, we had another flurry of these letters, and some of your families got them, and they, we understand this. The elders are okay with us being a different kind of church of Christ. They've always dealt with it in love and grace, and they did so with this last one as well. All the letters and such that we've gotten, and I've, I get a pile almost every week, one letter gave me a thought to get us started this morning for the state of our church and who we are. It wasn't hateful. I appreciated that. It's a little bit sarcastic, but I'm okay with that as well. My wife once told me I was a bit too sarcastic, and I went, yeah, right. That, so I'm all right. I understand the concept. Fine. But at the very end, it says, you know, if you want to use instruments, you go right ahead. And if you want to allow women to speak in worship, you just go right ahead. But you just do us a favor and change the name on your sign. Okay. Let's talk about that. I couldn't help but smile. The name Church of Christ was chosen by Barton W. Stone. Uh, Alexander Campbell wanted Disciples of Christ. Barton W. Stone chose the name Churches of Christ for us because it meant all believers, all kinds of believers. The man that wrote the letter was very concerned about the brand name, image, that we were somehow diluting the brand, somewhat like going to McDonald's and perhaps getting Mediterranean salads. It's diluting the brand, somewhat. You don't want to go to and and, and mess up the franchise, by um, by not serving exactly the same thing in every restaurant is that what the are we a brand name the name church of christ was chosen because it was not a brand name it has always meant catholic universal all believers are welcome here it's a description it's a welcome mat it's not a franchise name we know that here and we've always thrown our arms open for any believer. Last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, there was a meeting held in Louisiana. A friend of mine wrote a description. He goes, oh, my goodness. How would you like to start the new year with this? The area churches had gathered for their end of year, beginning of year worship but it didn't turn out to be a worship. For some of the ministers stood up and said, we need to start naming names, and saying who's a Christian and who's not, and churches here need to start demanding to see baptismal certificates from those who come to join them. OK. And what went on? They said, there are no gray areas in Scripture. It is all black and white. I'm thinking, what Bible do they have but I I, I didn't (laughs) friends is that who we are no it's never been who we were as a church of Christ churches of Christ have always been open arms conformity was never the plan ever In 1809, when the Declaration and Address was written, and that is considered to be the the formal beginning of the Restoration Movement of which we are a part, the first proposition indicates of necessity we will meet in different places. Because of who we are as people, we will meet in different bodies, but let there be no uncharitable divisions among us. The first thing written said we know we will not all be the same. God doesn't want cookie cutter Christians. He doesn't want cookie cutter anything. Have you looked at your kids? He doesn't want cookie cutter kids. He doesn't want you. He's done you. He's doing something else now. And with your kids, he's going to make you you have one and you think I'm the world's most perfect parent. Look at this kid. He'll give you the second one. <laughs> can't hold him down with a Thorazine dart gun and a logging chain God's never been interested in conformity in 1833 when this congregation was started Churches of Christ did not look like Churches of Christ look today they were very diverse while the majority of preachers were male there were prominent female preachers in 1833, including Nancy Cram, Abigail Roberts, Anne Rexford, Sarah Hedges, Clarissa Danforth, Sally Thompson, Selena Holman, Nancy Toll, and Nancy Maltke. You don't know those names now because the other side won the big argument. But in 1833, we were diverse enough to wear this was fine. We were diverse enough to wear some used instruments, most did not. There were premillennialists among us. Now, those of you that don't know that word, that's a doctrine often believed in very conservative, um, like Baptist churches and some Pentecostal churches and the like, that says that Jesus is going to come back to the planet, there are variations, many variations, come back to the planet with an army, uh, going to have war, all the bad people against all the good people, Uh, Jesus wins, set up another throne in Jerusalem, they are going to be rain for a thousand years, and then it varies again what happens after this. I don't believe that. Most in churches of Christ don't. But for the first hundred plus years of our existence, a lot of churches of Christ believed that. And it was fine until the great fundamentalist movement moved through us, and we decided for that purity that it need, they needed to be kicked out. We don't do that here. We don't kick you out. Fact is, I'm not really sure what's going to happen at the end of time, but I'm not going to go up to Jesus and say, I'm quite disappointed in you for doing it that way. However he does it, if he shows up sometime on a horse and tosses me a sword, I'm not going to say, ooh, I'm not really into this. I don't think he's going to. Alexander Campbell, who helped start this church, was a completely devoted premillennialist in fact his his monthly paper was called millennial harbinger in other words the millennium is coming and he believed that if we started loving each other enough and formed a loving community of Jesus Christ that that's what it would take for Jesus to come back so that was his goal Barton W. Stone on the other hand did not believe in premillennialism at all But he also did not believe that Jesus Christ was co-equal with the Father in all things. We believe that. He believed Jesus was a created being, the first created being and the best created being, but he believed he was created. We believe he's eternal. Isn't it interesting? Most churches of Christ would not let either of these men lead a prayer today. This church has continued it's open arms, diverse policy. We are the brand. We're the, the original. And it's hard for people to believe this now because they don't, they don't get to see this very often. Our leaders in 1833 spoke at large outdoor revival meetings right alongside Lutherans, Presbyterians, Baptists, anybody. Anybody because they believed that as long as Jesus was being preached, it was fine. Isn't that different than what happened in Louisiana last week? That's very different. It allowed them to fellowship others to the point where, when Alexander Campbell did debate other believers, Catholics and the like, he always called them brother and treated them as a saved individual with whom they merely had a disagreement about this or that aspect of doctrine, but he never questioned their salvation. Alexander Campbell would have called the Pope his brother. We are not a divergent church. We're one of the first streams. This is what the church was supposed to look like. It was only after the Civil War and the hardening of attitudes in both North and South And then that slide into World War I and American fundamentalism that split our movement. Didn't split until 1906. Split again in the 1940s. Most in the South chose doctrinal perfection. They said, that's what we need. We need to be doctrinally perfect in all things. That was never the idea in 1833. Never. It was always unity before, unity in Christ, unity, grace, in matters of opinion, liberty, in all things love, that's what we stood for, that's what we still stand for, that's what we will stand for. By the way, I appreciate the kind words from so many of you that worry what's going to happen to Patrick when he keeps getting all of this hate mail i'm not afraid i don't have the fear gene i'm not worried i've never received a hateful letter that had something in it that was worse than the truth about me i'm a bad guy that needs a savior what are they going to say so i smile and realize they need a savior too we will keep our arms open. By the way, when Daniel Salmer stood up in 1889 to undo the decoration and address and lead our churches into a very narrow, perfectionistic way, many churches, so appalled, did change their name. You go through towns today, and you will see something called First Church of Christ. Why? Because they're trying to say we're not a part of that this is the original we're the first most of those have now gone to the disciples of Christ are we gonna put first out there for us no no why because I'm not first I'm not last I'm not nothing I'm just one of God's believers that's all we're doing we're not gonna try to one-up anybody This church looks a lot more like Churches of Christ did before the 1880s. We don't call people to ritual purity. We call them to Jesus. The fact is plain to see, if we will open our eyes, that ritual purity and conformity have no power to transform our character. None. You can go through the five acts of worship all you want to, and there's nothing wrong with doing so. But that will not change your character. Only meeting Jesus Christ will do that. Only the Spirit of God will do that. Only prayer within the community of Christ will do that. The idea that if we were just more strict, more perfect in ritual and doctrine, we would transform the world. There's no evidence for that. None. There's no merit. The only transforming power on earth is the Holy Spirit of God. And his desire and work is to change us not into cookie-cutter Christians, but into the image of Christ, into the temple of God, into ambassadors of Christ. My first sermon here was empty hands and open arms. When I first came back to God and the Bible, I promised, I made a promise to God. said, if you're big enough, you can handle the questions. And if you're big enough, you're going to let me read the Bible and read it for what it says. And not what a bunch of Reformation European lawyers said about it, but what it says. And I was stunned because I found... Every time the Bible emphasizes what God really wants, it speaks of love. You ready? We're going to do a lot of scripture. A lot. But I want to show you it's a theme. Starting with Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly? To love mercy? and to walk humbly with your God. James 2.13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, mercy triumphs over judgment. Hosea 6.6, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Matthew 9.13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice for i have not come to call the righteous but sinners galatians 5:14 for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself do not forget to show hospitality to strangers hebrews 13:2 for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it Jeremiah 22, 3, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who's been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow. Do not shed innocent blood in this place. Romans thirteen eight through 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except a continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, read this with me. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Ezekiel. 16. I know a lot of you think the sin of Sodom was the homosexuality there. Not according to the Bible. Ezekiel 16, 49, 50. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and your daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty. And did detestable things before me therefore i did away with them as you have seen don't be unconcerned luke ten twenty five through 28 on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test jesus teacher he asked what must i do to inherit eternal life what is written in the law he replied how do you read it he answered love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength with all your mind And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. We could keep going, but here's the last. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love but the greatest of these is love. I could have gone on for hours. Even when we see scenes that look like anger in Scripture, like Jesus with a whip and a temple, it's because the church leaders were oppressing the poor that were showing up just wanting to worship and cutting some of them out because they didn't have the money to have certain offerings. Jesus didn't want to keep anybody out. He didn't ask for a certificate. He was angry at those that would shut the doors and shut the arms. God rejects Israel and Malachi because the men were abusing their wives, not because they weren't worshiping correctly. It was their lack of love that disqualified them. Leaders of the church, your shepherds, are called to be of the same character as Jesus, the good shepherd. The scripture says, wisdom for them means easy to be entreated. Jesus, who sought out the lost, the broken, the forgotten, and didn't say you don't qualify, but rather loved them right where they were, laying aside ritual, laying aside law, for the higher law of love turned to us and says, follow me. An early member of the church was taken before the Roman authorities. This is one of our early Christian records. And said a line that has stuck with me for many years. He looked at the pro proconsul and said, we do not say great things. We do them. That's who we are. We will not be pompous or arrogant. Our brothers on our left and our brothers on our right are our brothers. And we will treat them that way. With love and grace. Never returning a harsh word for a harsh word always returning love. We will not say great things. We will just do them. We'll love them. Friends, there is one thing about Fourth Avenue that I know you've worked on, but we need to work on harder. Two things come to mind, actually. One, we live in an area that has a history of bias and prejudice and racial division we got to find a way to stop that. We have got to find a way to embrace our brothers. And I know it's not one-sided. I know many of you work with Franktown and Hard Bargain. Many more need to. We're going to work on that this year. And I'm aware that they also have to embrace us. But never, never, never... Get tired of extending your arms. Let let us be known as a place that never gets tired of loving, even if we're not loved back for a while. This church is not going to change its name because this church belongs to Christ. We will wear his name. And those who meet here and worship him openly, not just here, we will worship him with our, as Steve Is giving us opportunity with our jobs, with our money, with our influence, with our time, with our music, with our hobbies. We will worship him there. We will worship him here. But there's a second thing we need to work on. This world is crying out for a church like this. This world, you have neighbors that need to feel loved in whoever church they've gone to, have they've gotten involved with petty politics, gossip, and been made to feel small. And you know that this church won't do that to them. You know this church will love them. Well then tell them. Bring them in. Because I truly believe that if Middle Tennessee knew what was going on in this room, we'd have to have five and six services on a Sunday. And I'm not tired. I can do it. You can too. God did not give us an eternity to rest up unless he figured we're going to need it. So let's go to work. I'm going to ask you to please stand. As we close this day, Mark will lead us in a wonderful ancient hymn, not ancient hymn, actually just an old hymn, of uh, the 1800s, old-ish, but a wonderful hymn. What is our state and where are we going? Friends, this church belongs to Jesus, and we will continue to sail wherever the Holy Spirit blows us. We will do so with courage, but also with grace, love, mercy, joy, and more love. Always, always. More love my prayer for 2015 is that every day i personally will look less like patrick and more like jesus let that be our church's prayer every day less like us more like him i'm looking forward to the journey